Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. Today's episode is another one of those exceptional conversations where the guest and their amazing insight forced me to sit down and take notes. Samantha Chris is an international success coach, as well as a successful author and speaker. By her own account, she thrives in helping others take action. It's what has powered her business, her book, her incredible TEDx talk, her proprietary goal-setting methodology, and every opportunity that followed. Indeed, her real goals method of goal-setting earned her five promotions in five years, enabled her to double her income in that time, and propelled her into the life of an entrepreneur. With so many achievements, one can certainly agree that her approach and ability to help people and projects realize their full potential has shaped her into a true agent for change. Samantha is also the founder of the Bossing Up Movement, a community that empowers each other to harness their hunger for more and create opportunities for themselves and others. In these times of obvious uncertainty and questioning ourselves, it serves to be reminded by someone with such an impressive track record that the most important step towards our most incredible goals is our relentless commitment to them. On this episode, Samantha shares some incredible gems on seizing the opportunities that come our way, not making excuses for who we are as individuals, the power and importance of goal setting, obviously, and so much more. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 135 with Samantha Chris. Here we go. First off, um, I know I said this off the air, but it's all very important for people to understand that, you know what, this one thing called life is always about people understanding. That's the message I always, always want to put forward. Um, every time I push record on these recordings, I want people to always remember that don't be afraid to go after that opportunity or that person or that person you're curious about, whether it's an author or a speaker, someone you you that inspires you. You know what? It's one thing called life and you also basically just reach out and say hello. And you know what? You might be surprised. The person might just say hello back. <laughs> you know what? And this is how I'm so grateful and honored to have Samantha Chris on the Awaken the Awesome podcast. Samantha, I just want to thank you and acknowledge again, as I, I know I said it off the air, but I'm going to say it for the people that know me. I'm all about gratitude and I'm all about mutual respect, especially when people are doing so much good in the world because it's we're all in this together, especially with these very particular times that we're all trying to make sense of. But uh, with you know this moment, that we're sharing i just want to say thank you first of all for being on the podcast and of course thank you for all the great terrific work that you do and you definitely should be celebrated for that so again welcome and thank you for being on the podcast goodness thank you so much it is my pleasure to be here i love what you're about i love what you're creating and i'm super excited to be part of it one thing because you know you you have such a an amazing body of work and you know your story is such a truly genuine one and there's so many things we could touch on we could touch on your wonderful book you know one of your amazing your amazing defining ted talk but one interview because i never like like to look too much you know go down too much down the rabbit hole of my guests so it keeps me very curious but one interview that you gave on a previous podcast and um the thing is there's something you said that really really caught me in terms of a story and 
uh, something people can resonate with, especially in these times where people are trying to redefine uh, themselves or trying to explore uh, different avenues. There's a story that you gave about, you know, when you were actually pitching a client to, uh, I believe the, the magazine was called Notable. Mm-hmm. And when you were trying to pitch a client for a profile, and uh, when the publication got back to you, they thought you were actually, you know, pitching yourself. And that's how you basically ended up being nominated as the entrepreneur was it the of the day of the week i remember of the day yeah of the day of the day i'm sorry and and i want i just want to throw this one at you what does that say about the point where we have to come and the universe just gives us that nudge and you know what don't just talk about it okay you've been talking about it and in this period of time where everybody's looking down the pipeline of their life and thinking like maybe i should try this maybe i should try this and now the universe says you know what poof karma <laughs> and I was just like, you know, if you could just walk us through that. And what were you feeling? And, you know, you, you, you basically have to come to terms with the fact that, okay, either show up or shut up. Mm-hmm. Big time. I was not expecting it whatsoever. You have to know at this point, this was, oh my gosh, I don't even know if this was a paying client. This was early, early days, just getting started. Definitely the first person that I was working with. And I thought I'm going to go above and beyond. And any entrepreneur will know that in those early days, you extend yourself far beyond what you're comfortable doing. You, you know, deliver way more than you said that you would just because the relationship matters so much and you don't yet fully understand the importance of your pace and making sure that you don't run on empty too soon. But I was more than happy to do it. And when I reached out this, you know, it wasn't part of my mandate and was really keen on just getting her some extra exposure. And when they replied saying, Hey, we thought that, um, you know, your profile looked great. We're willing to feature you. And here's what we need. I was in that position where I was thinking, Oh, (laughs) I can, get back to them and say, no, actually, no, I wasn't reaching out for me and and totally pass up on the opportunity or I can really show up, like you said. And in full humility, I wanted to make it really clear that I was indeed reaching out for someone else, but that I was also interested if they saw potential in my profile for kind of throwing my ring in the hat. And as it turned out, the nature of the work that she was doing was just a little too sensitive and they weren't interested in featuring her, but they really wanted to feature me. And I recognized, yeah, I recognized that it was, you know, these are the kinds of things, these are the kind of curveballs that are going to be thrown your way. And these types of opportunities, you can't plan for them and you have to be ready. And I, I was ready. I I didn't know I was ready. I really asked myself, you know, is it, is this it? Can I do this? And I think I had done enough soul searching and confidence building before that point to say, I am worthy of this feature. And more than that, I am going to make sure that I continue to be worthy of this feature because as the entrepreneur of the day, as someone who's going to be promoting this title, I got to make sure that I live up to this expectation that I, for anyone who's going to consider hiring me after this point, that it will be an investment well-made. And so it was kind of the fire into my butt that I needed to say, hey guys, this is what I'm doing now. I'm actually really good at it. Um, I know this is coming out of nowhere, but you should trust me. And and here's a little bit of validation, some social proof that will help you make that call. Wow. You know, and you've actually spoken about this. um, And I'm sure you've experienced this uh, with your client and along your career as a success coach. Why is it? um, I'm trying to phrase this question properly. Why are we always our best enemies, our worst enemies in regards to leaning in 
to our own power in regards to the the imposter syndrome or I'm not that good or I'm too old. I don't have enough money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the right networks. I don't have the proper website. Why is it so easy to come up with the best excuses rather than just, you know what, let me just do this and let me own this. And you know what? I am this insert excellence here. Why are we so good at that time? Oh, such a loaded question. And it's one that I don't think, (laughs) yeah, I don't think it has any cookie cutter answer, to be honest. Um, A lot of the times what I see with my clients and definitely what I see for myself is this sense of perfectionism. And I actually, not that there haven't been moments of imposter syndrome, there certainly has. But for me, I'm actually a little bit on the other side of the spectrum where I am quite confident, where very few things get in my way. I don't often get stuck in my head about not being good enough, not being worthy. Where I get stuck is I need to be the best. I need to perceive to be perceived as the best. I need to be polished. I need to look professional. And anything short of, as you said, excellence simply won't cut it. And that is often what keeps me stuck because I wait for perfection instead of leaning into progress. So I guess I can speak from that perspective. Um, One of the things I've really had to work on is understanding and giving myself the same flexibility as I would my clients, as I would my friends, as I would my family members in figuring things out as they go and not necessarily needing to have it right the first time. I guarantee you, you will almost always be wrong the first time. And so you might as well get started and learn now rather than six months, 12 months down the line. And the more that I came to terms with the fact that it is an iterative process and that I can continue to grow and get better, the more I realized that I don't really care so much for perfection. And and I'd be lying if I said I still didn't strive for it. I mean, it's I'm a work in progress like anyone else, but I have really become more comfortable with iterating as opposed to perfection. And it has helped me to, to silence you know, the little nagging voices in my head that are saying, it's not the time you need to work harder. You need to look better. You need to have more clout. You need to have more testimonials to just like, you know, get, get your foot in the door, walk the path, get a few people familiar with what it is that you're trying to do, strengthen the testimonials, learn. And then when you feel like you've got your footing, then you can jump in with both feet. You know, maybe you need to start with dipping your toes in and that's okay. And you know what? Um, I also meant to ask this in regards to, again, with the article, because that's such a funny story, but because again, I can always see so many people falling into that, you know, that, okay, I wasn't expecting this. Let me just shy away. And then you just grabbed it and you ran with it. And how do you not fall into the trap of your own ego when, okay, publication, entrepreneur of the day, yay, I'm super awesome. But a lot of people would fall into that trap. And how do you harness yourself? How do you pull the reins? Like, okay, whoa, this is a great opportunity, but we still need to acknowledge, you know, like take account to a fact that, okay, here we are. We were not there yet, but this is a springboard. And how do we get better? How do we, how do we, you know, tame our ego? I constantly trip over my ego, if I'm being honest with you. And I think that surprises a lot of people because I do make an effort to connect with my authentic self and act from a place of service, but it doesn't come without effort, which doesn't mean that my default is not serving others, but I am almost wired to, I I don't know if it's my astrological sign. I don't know if it's my upbringing. I don't know what it is, um, but I'm pretty competitive by nature and it's hard for me to turn that off. 
And I'll give you kind of a recent story, which sure. is super, super recent and not a lot of people know about it, but I, back in May, decided to kind of take a step back from entrepreneurship for a little bit and take the opportunity to join a company full time, uh-huh. which is not at all what I was looking for. I did not apply. Um, I wasn't, and one of those things too, you know, I wasn't ready for it. It kind of showed up and it sparked this existential crisis of who am I, if not an author, a speaker, a coach. And a lot of those, those beliefs of, or, or I guess just self-talk of, you know, you've spent the last four years building this business, building this personal brand, putting everything you've got into it and what you're just going to walk away. And it, I hired a hypnotherapist. I hired a spiritual coach. I don't even oh, wow. yeah, particularly resonate as someone who's spiritual, but I was really looking externally for answers. And I just, I was so torn. I was like, can someone just tell me what to do? And I realized after some deep soul searching and and introspection that, that it was all ego. Ego was preventing me from admitting to the fact that I friggin' wanted this opportunity. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to join a company that I am wholeheartedly aligned with that will exponentially further my mission and will be a quantum leap forward for me. And to admit that was scary. And I was convincing myself with the, oh yeah, but you've built a career and oh yeah, you've built a brand and oh yeah, you have this reputation. That was all keeping me safe. That was keeping me comfortable. And when I realized that I was looking externally for the answers, it came down to I'm looking for validation. It's my ego that is looking to be stroked. And that's kind of what kept me in check. And so long, long story short, it's something that I actively still work on. And what will always bring me back to what matters is getting connected, reconnecting to my why. And you mentioned the TED Talk earlier. This is something that I care a lot about. Uh, My goal setting methodology is what I talked about in the talk. It's the Mm -hmm. real goal method. And the very first pillar of that acronym, the R stands for resonant. Is this aligned with your core values? And if the answer is yes, then move ahead. And I realized that in this case with this opportunity, it really was. And so I gave myself permission to explore that. But I think for anyone battling their ego and wondering, you know, how do I silence it and really move forward from an authentic place is you know, this method comes in handy when you recognize why does this goal, whatever it is that you're pursuing or trying to achieve, why does it resonate? What does success feel like? How does it empower you? That's E. That's the second pillar. The third pillar is A is actionable. What action can you take to feel this way, to fulfill your why? And this doesn't have to be big life purpose, capital P, you know, your life's (laughs) big life purpose. It just needs to be Why is this purposeful for you today? And then lucrative is the last pillar. L, you want to think about what's in it for me. And I always, always, always peel the layers of the onion back. What is at the core here? Why does it matter? And if you realize there's nothing there, it is purely ego and feel confident in stepping away. And you know what? Um, 
you know, people definitely should uh, should check out your book uh, just basically to basically dive a little bit deeper into the real methodology, which is a very powerful methodology. And again, uh, I want to thank you for that because a lot of people maybe attack one aspect of it, you know, the resonance and maybe don't look at the fact that is it real? Okay, fine. It resonates with you, but is it actionable? Is it practical? You know, can, does it empower you? But the last one, you know what? I think that every time somebody hears lucrative and the fact that they hear you say it, voice it out with those words, you know what? What is in it for me? And people don't understand that you can't pour from an empty cup. And I'd like you to touch on that because you know what? If you're going to pour your heart and soul into something, you know, and just taking this podcast as an, uh, as an example, because somebody asked me for that, you're still doing this? I was like, uh, yeah, because it matters to me. And I believe that I'm sharing a message and I'm meeting incredible people. And I believe that, you know, people need to hear these conversations. Yeah, that's what I get out of it. It's not about just money. If it's, there's money, that's fine. But why is it some people would call you selfish or self-serving, but it should, shouldn't it? You, it should be something that you actually look forward to and it gives you something back. And I'm not sure if you've hit with that, you know, that resistance in regards to the term, you know, lucrative. I have, because a lot of people set goals for the betterment of their family and for the betterment of the community and the thought of doing it for themselves, even if no one else calls them selfish, there's that inner dialogue that's saying, ooh, really? There are people in need. There are other people who could use this money, who could benefit from that job, who could do what you're doing better. And that gets in the way. But what we ought to pay mind to is that whether it's financial gain or not, and I'm totally okay with lucrative, meaning more money in your pocket, because the reality is if you're a good person, money is going to help. It is going to help people in your community. It's going to help the local economy. It's going to help your family. Like do not hate money. It is good. It is how we exchange. It is how we can grow. It is how we can give back. And so lucrative doesn't have to be monetary, but if it is, own it. Lucrative can also be higher education. It can also be more time off with your family. It could be something completely intrinsic. So when I'm talking lucrative, I'm talking about what you stand to gain. And if what you stand to gain is peace of mind, is forgiveness, is freedom, if you don't deserve that, if you're not gifting that to yourself, there is no way that you're going to be able to gift that to others. And you don't have to be a coach, an author, or speaker to feel like you have a gift to share with the world. I guarantee you, you no matter what it is that you do, no matter your position, you have an impact on the world. And if you're not thinking about how you can fill your cup, the impact that you have is limited. Because it's so true. Because a lot of people don't try to really look within in regards to, listen, this is what needs to matter to you. These are the important questions you're supposed to tell yourself. And you know what? If you can stand to better yourself, better your life, better your loved ones, and whether it's that that it's through money or just more time available with your family, it's something that should inspire you. And um, I want to talk about, because I have a young daughter, and when I hear you talk and about, you know, just having, not being silenced, you know, and you also talked about, you know what? I wanted to be heard and I was not going to put my hand down and I want to, you know, I was willing to do whatever needs to be done so I can make myself heard. You know, kids today need the right messages because there's so much noise. There's so much confusion. There's so much comparison. There's so much, dare I say, filth 
out there, you need to refocus, you know, the messages that we tell our children and, you know, what you, the messages and all the wonderful interviews that you give, you know, they speak with such truth and such empowerment. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, as a father with a young daughter, my daughter's seven. And sometimes, you know, I'm very open. Sometimes I'm scared as to what the future holds. What, how can I, you know, just not be too worried and give her the right messages you know it's like it's not a really loaded question it's really because with people as accomplished as yourself i see you as you know those type of examples i would like my daughter to follow and you know what what are the little nuggets you know in terms of your upbringing what are the little nuggets the little seeds that were planted you know for you and to help you along your journey oh this is such a great question i have to point that out because i have a lot of these conversations and a lot of them as, as much respect as i have for the hosts and i love doing them and i love sharing my story they sometimes get a little bit redundant and repetitive in in following my professional journey and answering some more business-related questions. And this is so good. This one's juicy. They've all been good, but this one I think is, um, it's new for me. So I've got to think about it a little bit. And if I okay. rewind the clock, you know, back to my seven-year-old self, and I was really, really fortunate. I have a biological father who I'm really close with and I love with all my heart. And I have a stepfather who is equally as present and amazing and has taught me so many things. And if I think about really what made the difference for my life, as far as the male figures, it was the ability to communicate openly and honestly. And I wasn't surrounded by this macho, egotistical, patriarchal environment I was in an environment where I was shown it's okay to n- not even fail. There really wasn't a fail mentality in my house. It's okay to try things and not be awesome, but just try. And if you're going to try, then at least finish it. Give it an honest go. And if you don't like it and if you're not good at it, then that's okay. Try something else. And I grew up in a household where Talk, or a couple households where talking about our feelings at the dinner table was encouraged, where seeing my father's cry, whether it was, you know, because we've had hardships as a family or whether it's because there's a really emotional romantic comedy on TV, expressing those emotions have really helped to, to frame what it means in my eyes to be a man and to feel comfortable as as a young girl and a woman growing up that the type of man that I feel can make significant change in the world is the one that recognizes that we have a spectrum of emotion that we don't necessarily have all the answers, but there is a willingness to figure it out together. And that's one thing I can say, not just about my father and my stepfather, but my parents, you know, my mom, my stepmom, um, and really everyone that was around and growing up was that was this concept of not needing the answers, but rallying together to figure it out. And when you feel supported and when you feel heard and when you feel seen from a young age, that's the confidence you bring with you on stage, in the boardroom, in your interview, in on your first date and any of those moments that can truly shape you as a, and I was going to say as a woman, but really as a person, mm-hmm. um, I found those to be incredibly valuable. It sometimes I ask myself so many questions in regards to 
you know, your, your environment shapes you, you know, from a very young age. And sometimes I have to compare myself. Sometimes I have to check myself because having grown up in exactly a macho household and a very culturally, you know, strict and very traditional um, atmosphere, you know, as opposed to what a man's supposed to be. And you talked about, you know, men in your life, you know, being okay to cry. You know, for me, it was new to actually open up in front of my kids and actually, you know, just show them that it's okay to be frail. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be tired. You know, don't pass your frustration on them, obviously. But, you know, sometimes my kids will come up to me and ask me, you know what, daddy, are you okay? No, daddy had a bad day. And you know what, this is what happened. Even they, they don't absolutely have absolutely no idea what my job does. But at seven, they are allowed to ask you, how are you feeling? And then you get to ask them back, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And this is the vulnerability that I believe that, you know, some people are not used to because we carry that, you know, that insecurity into our adult life. And sometimes this is the fear of being seen that sometimes unsettles some people because you have to look into the mirror and actually address, you know, whether you appreciate the person that that's looking back at you and having to deal with that baggage and having to deal with that, you know, that revelation. And, you know, it's a, it's some work that I'm seeing a lot of people struggling with. And this is where we fall into the realm of mental health. This isolation, let's call it what it is, is very damaging, to some people. And I'm sure if you, I'm not sure if you've uh, experienced that in your network or with your clients, a lot of people are struggling with having to define who they are. Well, I think, I mean, a lot of people are, are being forced to look at that for the first time in a long time, especially with what's going on today, because we get comfortable, we fall into a groove, whether that's, you know, with our partner, with our jobs. And when something shakes that up, it, encourages, I was going to say forces, but it encourages you to take a look at what's working and what's not. And sometimes it's really obvious and it's staring you right in the face. And other times it's this little nagging sensation that something's got to change and you don't know what, but I agree that we are a product of our environment, which of course is debatable, but you know, for myself anyway, that has very much been the case. And I see that with a lot of the people that I work with, with a lot of the people that I'm friends with that are in my network, that if they, if they grew up in an environment where it was, you know, I was just talking with a licensed financial coach and she was saying that for her, she grew up in a family that was on social assistance that had a very strong scarcity mindset. And the dialogue, the narrative in the house was, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is hard to come by. You have to work hard for every dollar you earn. And this was, you know, there was a paycheck to paycheck mentality, even going into debt mentality of not having enough. And when she grew up and when she was well into her career, she was working three jobs, not because she had to, but because she was so afraid that the money would disappear. She was so conditioned, exactly. So conditioned to think money doesn't grow on trees. Therefore I must work to the bone and still was living paycheck to paycheck because she was not taught, you know, uh, any kind of financial literacy because it just wasn't the environment she was born into. And that goes, you know, for not being seen and not being heard. If that's the environment that we are brought up in as adults, we have a responsibility to break the cycle if we want to make a change not only for ourselves, but for the the people that are in our path, whether that's our families, whether that's um, you know our colleagues that we're paving the path for, 
it's not enough to say, oh, well, I was raised this way, or this is the narrative in my household, or this is just how it was. If that's how it was, it's how it will always continue to be unless you're willing to, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, that's enough. It changes with me. So you need to be the end and the beginning. Kind of. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Change the dialogue, change the narrative. Um, I was having this conversation with a close friend uh, recently because for myself, I had to, let's call it, a, you know, break, you know, and then to rebuild. Uh, but sometimes we, we were talking about, you know, seeking your dream and elevating and your journey because, you know, you need to surround yourself with the right people to have these elevated uh, conversations. And, you know, sometimes we're, we were just like looking down the pipeline and you realize that it's your dream. It's your life. It's your choice. Why does it always seem, Sam, as if for some reason people are stuck in the corner waiting for permission? Mm, permission for what? Permission, you know, to go after my dream, permission to write that book, permission to ask for that promotion, permission to change jobs, permission to want to move, permission to want to travel to Venice, you know, from okay, COVID, but still, you know, <laughs> waiting for permission. Often enough, we'll make up the best excuses, you know, and saying that, you know what, not right now, not right now. If not now, when? Why does it seem we're always, for some reason, waiting for someone's permission to actually do what we want to do? You know, that thing that keeps you up at night, you know? I mean, okay, so I'll give you my my perspective, which take with a grain of salt, because again, this is very much the filter of my lived experiences. It's all, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, when I think about why I've waited for permission, I go way back to, you know, my school days. You have to raise your hand. You don't respond unless you've been spoken to. You don't get up unless you've been given permission to go to the bathroom. You don't go to recess until the bell rings. And that is continued throughout our most formative years. And we are writing tests for the approval of our teacher, of our school boards. We are seeking to to get that validation from authority figures and that follows us into the workplace. We want to impress our boss. We want to get the promotion. We want to be seen as, you know, notable in our field. We want to be recognized for the good work that we're doing because those are the people that advance. Those are the people that make waves. Those are the people that you hear about. And it takes a conscious decision to say, that external validation is not what I'm going after. You know, going back to our conversation about ego, mm -hmm. we don't even necessarily know that we are stoking our ego and eagerly trying to feed it with these things because we have been brought up in a way where that's just how it's always been. And I think when it comes to our dreams, in my opinion anyway, it makes total sense that you have that mindset because you've had it your whole life and it's really hard out of nowhere to think, no way, I am doing this for me because it's entirely foreign. And we have to flex that muscle. We, it's, like, it's a muscle of confidence and we have to consciously work at it and make it stronger and convince ourselves that that validation, that that social proof, that that approval of others might be nice, but it is secondary to how we view ourselves to how we want to exceed our expectations for ourselves. But we have to first come to terms with the fact that we are worthy, that we want these things for us, that we're not doing them for other people. And if, you, if you've read the book, then you know that I talk about imposed success mm -hmm. and we get caught up 
in perhaps the house, perhaps the title, perhaps the financial earning. We want things not because we actually want them, but because we've been taught or shown or expressed in some way along the way that this is the natural progression of things. And so we kind of fall into this routine of wanting for wanting's sake. And that's when I think we get stuck in the trap of wanting permission, of seeking approval and waiting for someone to say, okay, now go. And when we can recognize that cycle, when we can break it and say, well, what is it that I actually want here? And this is where the real goal methodology comes in handy is recognizing, does this actually resonate with me, with who I am? And if the answer is no, you might be stuck in that stage for a little while and that's okay. But it's about recognizing, okay, if this doesn't actually resonate, then what does? And the thought of having to try and figure out who you are and what genuinely makes you happy is hard. You got to be willing to go down that road because there's going to be a few failed attempts where you're thinking that may have been a waste of time or a waste of money, but that's not the kind of mindset that'll keep you moving forward. You have to see it as an investment in better understanding who you are. And with that understanding, you can move more steadily in the direction of your dreams. Is, is that, it's always that, isn't it? The fear, not the fear, um, the hesitation looking down the road of uncertainty because you don't have all the answers. But as far as my journey is concerned anyway, and you know, through listening to, through all your talks, you have to be okay with the uncertainty because it's part of the deal. You can't know everything. You can't have all the answers. And you know what? You need to be okay and adjust accordingly. A hundred percent. And that's why I am so passionate about change. And I've got a podcast about change because it is happening with or without your consent. So you can fight it your whole life or you can get on board and see where it takes you. Amazing. And I was going to pivot to that. You just burned my lead. Thank you. So sorry. <laughs> but I was curious, how did the uh, the Catalyst show uh, start? Uh, where was the germination? What was the, uh, you know, the, the, the spark behind that, behind your wonderful podcast? Oh, gosh, this goes way back. I was the kid, you know, everyone else was watching the magic, magic school bus and I was watching Sally, Jesse, Raphael. I was like, obsessed. you just dated yourself right there. It was totally cool. I am okay with it. Yeah. I'd say majority of listeners are probably like, who is that? Yep. 33 years old this summer and proud. Sally Jesse was, I mean, she's probably not even the best talk show host, but it was one of the few channels I got <laughs> at the time. And I loved seeing people interviewed. And for the longest time, if you were to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was a talk show host. And then that was kind of tainted by like the Jerry Springers and the Maury's of the world. And I lost my, my flame for it for a little bit. And then I got to see the different ways in which people were starting to share their stories, whether that was, you know, through blogs or through YouTube or podcasts, Facebook lives and as we entered this era of self-expression and people publicly, openly discovering who they were, I had so many questions and I thought if only I could talk to them, if only I could have a few minutes of their time because I, I want to ask them something that they have not yet covered that I think would be really helpful, not only for me to know, but for others to know. And for a long time, you know, we, I got stuck on that same wheel of it needs to be perfect. And if I don't have the right audio and if I don't know how to edit and oh I don't know boy. how to, to create the graphic, then I'm just not going to do it. And I got stuck. I got, I was in my own way for a solid 
year and a half. And then I saw everyone around me doing what I wanted to do. And they were not even great at it. I was like, dang, if they're doing it (laughs) kind of half-assed, I I could do it too. Exactly. I have no excuse. And I just have such a robust network of people who I absolutely respect and admire. And I watched a tutorial. I learned GarageBand. I fumbled my way through it. It took me far longer than I should have, probably way longer than most people because I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to technology. And what really fueled my fire, you know, as I encountered those moments of frustration with tech and learning things that were well out of my comfort zone, when I was listening to my podcast and editing each episode, I was like, man, if this wasn't my show, I would listen to it anyway. And that's when I knew that the first pillar, the first box of it being resonant Resonant. was definitely checked and, and it made me feel good and I felt empowered and I could take action and by connecting to the people that I wanted to ask questions and talk about how it's lucrative. I mean, I'm not doing my podcast for any sort of financial gain at this point, but like, I hate that. Not that I hate the term, but I find, you know, fill your cup is kind of overused. I go to bed feeling so fulfilled when I've had the episode, you know, when I've edited the episode, when the episode goes live, it literally lights me up. It's my favorite thing to do. And if that's not lucrative, I mean, I don't know what is. There you go. Because, you know, at some point you have to understand really at the end of it, because when you're stuck in those long editing hours and, you know, speaking to the choir, you're just like, <laughs> you have to understand that, you know what, if you're not happy with it, if you're not doing this, putting in these massive hours of your time and life, because you can't get them back into sharing this wonderful conversation, these wonderful interviews that you had, those are incredible interviews, by the way. And um, um, it's, it's something that, you know, it totally speaks to what you're about. You know, it, it resonates, it empowers, it's actionable, and it is lucrative because it brings so much good into the world. And you know what? It's it's something that it's it's a great uh, medium, you know, to share. And especially in these times where, you know, we have to, you know, stay separated or distant. And it's another way for us to communicate. But for me, it's basically the new radio. And it's just a, so much more intimate. And um you know what, again, it's, it's something I'm happy I tapped into when I connected with you over LinkedIn, you know, and it's something that, you know, I'm definitely subscribed because it's something I really enjoy taking. And um, what else did I want to ask you? What else did I want to had? I had another question that I got so, I guess, so caught up. I'm sorry, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. Wait a second. Yes. Okay. Um, fear, because I noticed that because you were talking about being such a perfectionist and, you know, just wanting to be perfect and you, it needs to be right. And sometimes fear is like that, that cousin that just won't go away. You know, they're just like, they just overstate their welcome. Mm. But fear will always define what matters to you. Okay. What matters more? Being stuck here trying to make this thing perfect or getting this episode out or, you know, making this book happen or, you know, like networking this person or reaching out. You know, fear will always be there. And people... I believe through all these conversations I've had and people, you know, people DMing me and I'm sure with uh, your community as well, sometimes fear is part of the process. There's no getting rid of it. And I'm just wondering in your perspective, by, own, by your own account, you can't get rid of it. It's all a matter of managing it and what you're going to do about it. Ooh, so I will, I will respectfully disagree. Okay. No, because... you're allowed. It's an open forum, man. <laughs> okay. 
because um, I agree fear is part of the process. I agree that it does help you look at what matters and what doesn't, but I do think that it can be overcome. And I do think that once, at least for me, once I started to train my brain and recognize that this isn't my concept, you'll, you'll read this in a bunch of different books, but the symptoms of, of fear are similar to the symptoms of excitement in the sense that a lot of times people's palms get sweaty and their heart rate starts to go a little faster and their eyes, you know, get a little dodgy and they maybe start to pace. And if you look at those indicators as fear of, oh shit, I'm about to do something scary and I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. You can also look at those same indicators as this is quite exciting. I feel this way, obviously, because this matters to me. I wouldn't be afraid or excited otherwise. If it didn't matter, I would feel rather emotionless. I'd be able to go, you know, coast through it, no problem. Mm-hmm. And I've started to recognize those symptoms as excitement. And when I do so, I do feel that the fear dissipates. And I do, I do feel that before, I still get it before every speaking engagement where I love doing it. I feel so comfortable on stage. I feel so in my zone and still I get the heart palpitations. My legs feel kind of weak and my palms get sweaty and I start to feel like I'm in that Eminem song. Mm -hmm. And I realize I'm not actually afraid because I don't feel that failure is an option. There's only learning. There's only fun. There's only connecting with this audience and I, I shift in that moment to excitement and to a place of gratitude. And there are going to be other times where you're genuinely afraid. I mean, if, if they're, you know, actually in danger's way, and, and that's not exactly what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, but for the moments in which you do have control over and you've convinced yourself that you're afraid, I do think that we can get ahead of it and, and actually um, like turn it down, you know, not give it space. Or, or have it occupy real estate in our minds and in our brains that we, that is actually positive. Wow. Hmm. Mic drop. A, mic drop. <laughs> mic drop. That was very powerful. No, okay. No, I, to, I totally get what you meant. I totally get what you meant because, you know, I'm just visualizing as you were saying, just before going on a speaking gig, just getting on, on the stage, before you know, the curtain raises and you're like, oh, okay. Heart palpitations, sweaty hands, but... Yes, this can be overcome. All right. All right. Wow. See, that's, see, that's why you're the expert. Huh. <laughs> I love learning. I love learning. Um, uh, this was actually a final question because I know you're such a busy person. I'm not going to keep you too long. Uh, the last question I had was in regards to um, gratitude, in regards to being acknowledging all that we have because you're all about abundance and, you know, pouring from, you know, from when your cup is full. How do we remain grateful? Because it's so easy to complain. It's so easy to make up excuses of why everything is going wrong. And of course, with the impatience of wanting to, you know, just pursue along our journey and want this, wanting to see these results. Why is this not happening? Mm-hmm. How I'm do so we that remain, person. How do we remain grateful? Because you've talked about it. It's about appreciating every single step. It's going to take some time, but you need to acknowledge all the work that you've done. There is still a lot of work to be done but acknowledge the work that you have done. And how do we work on that, Sam? Mm. Yeah, I really think that celebrating the small wins is is imperative to our success. And, you know, if we, not to sound like a broken record, but I really live by the real goal method. And once we identify what success feels like, as opposed to 
what it means extrinsically, what it looks and feels like um, on the outside world, and we look at what it feels like for us, then we can start to recognize success benchmarks along the way. And if success to you feels like joy, if success feels like financial freedom, if it feels like you are in a place of total zen, then as you're embarking on your goal, on your mission, you're about to, you know, lay out your action plan for what it is you're about to achieve. When the going gets tough, which it will, if you feel those little moments of joy, of financial freedom, of Zen, then you recognize that you are actually successful in action. You do not have to wait to the end post, which, you know, if you haven't recognized this yet, you'll soon recognize that oftentimes, especially if you're a high achiever, the goalpost keeps moving. We're never really done. And if you continue to chase it, you're like a hamster on a wheel. Whereas if you recognize what success feels like on an intrinsic level, on an emotional level, you recognize that you're actually winning or you have the potential to every hour of every day. And when you recognize those small wins and you recognize the advancement and your ability to achieve success in incremental steps, it gives you the momentum to keep going, but it also gives you that sense of satisfaction that you're on the right path, that you can do this, that you are capable of so much because once you've seen these little bits of success add up, you look behind you and you realize, damn, I've actually come pretty far. And if I've come this far, imagine how far I can go. Just looking back and taking acknowledgement, taking ownership of the work that has, that has happened. And you know what? It's not negating all the work that has to come, but you know what? Be proud of yourself and celebrate all you have you've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, especially for entrepreneurs, there are going to be very few people who are around to give you that pat on the back. And if you're stuck on that loop of looking for validation and approval and people to say, yeah, good job. Those people are going to be few and far between, not because they don't exist, but because it's just not their job to tell you, you've got this. You've got to be that person for yourself. Be your own best cheerleader. Oh, yes. Wow. I am I am most certainly my own biggest cheerleader. Man, Sam, you can't see me from where I am, but seriously, I am grinning. I am smiling. I am energized. I'm enthused and I'm humbled. Um, such a very powerful conversation. And again, with all gratitude and respect, I've said it and I'm going to say it again. It's a privilege and honor and a thrill uh, to have you on. Um, you know, I'm, I know we're coming up on top of the hour, but you know, as you know, these things do happen in podcasting. You can go for your hours on end, but I want to <laughs> remain respectful because it was a blessing uh, to have had you on. Uh, to, I want to thank you uh, for all the things that you do, for everything uh, that you that that you you know. Do, if, like, I, like I told you, I really mean this. Like for me, you know, for for a father of a little girl, you are definitely a type of individual that definitely you know that I want to keep promoting as an example to strive for you know because it's very important to have the best examples for our little girls and uh, it's definitely something that i want to thank you for because it's it's always about striving for that excellence and uh it's an honor and a thrill to have had you on shameless plug time where can the <laughs> listeners connect with you on the interwebs before the shameless plug i'll just have to say that i really appreciate being here and i think it's really awesome that as a father to a seven-year-old girl these are the things that you're thinking about it is a huge testament to 
who you are as a man. And I think it's really, really great. And a lot of people can learn from you. So thank you for your kind words and for oh, having you. me on. Yeah. It's, it's sincere. It's sincere. For those who are looking to connect, I am on every platform. You can find me LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram are the ones I'm most active on. And you can get all information about upcoming speaking events, the book, my TED talk at samanthachris.com. And that is Chris with a K. K-R-I-S. I'll That's be sure it. to link all the links and all the proper all the proper contacts on the show notes when the episode goes live. We do have a running tradition on the podcast. Final thought, you know, just open floor to the guests. Not a surprise, not anything. A kind word, a thought, a quote, a sonnet, you know, just a call to action. Something that you just read, anything that the, that the listeners can actually, you know, pick up, you know, use it as a stepping stone towards their next level. What can we leave the listeners with? Opportunity shows up when you do. Boom. Second mic drop. <laughs> Two in a row. Wow. Amazing. I'm on a roll. <laughs> You're on a roll, man. You're on fire. <laughs> Sam, it's a pleasure and a thrill. Guys, my guest, Samantha, Samantha Chris, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, you know, all around awesome person, success coach. Guys, do connect with her on SamanthaChris.com. Samantha Chris with a K. As I said, just look out for the show notes when the episode goes live for all the contacts and the links. Sam, blessings to you and yours thank you so much for a wonderful time guys your host Odigidi, another episode of awaken the awesome podcast in the can as always guys love you guys for all the support be sure to connect with us on ata podcast on instagram have a terrific evening stay blessed stay safe and as always do stay awesome this has been another episode of the awaken the awesome podcast we always love to get your feedback so please do drop us a line via instagram facebook or email our email address awaken the awesome at gmail.com do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.